What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planner in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? What's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? Wait, you're not Matt. What? What? (laughs) We've got Jen, my wife, and Erica, Matt's wife, in the spacious studios uh, of downtown Oshawa today, a.k.a my house. <laughs> and man, we are excited about today's episode because mm. we have our wives joining us. And uh, for anybody who uh, does church planting or anybody who's familiar with church planting, you know, uh, when when God calls you into church planting, it's not just you that's going, but your spouse is going with you uh, and your church planting together. Uh, so we are excited to talk to them about that today. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planners for the everyday church planner. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Matt, I got to ask you, man, how's your week going? Man, it's going incredible, dude. We uh, This this past week, I've just for some time since something has been right in, in my life and um the more I've just sought after God and pursue God, he's, he's brought just personal revival to my life mm-hmm. in, in an amazing way. And, um, man, I, I'll just say this. I, I feel like I've gotten a second chance, a new lease on life. And, uh, man, I just praise God. You know, I just, it's, it's incredible, man. So just out of that overflow, God has done a lot of special things. I'm just trying to rest in that. Amen. My, my intern broke my foot. I know your intern broke your foot. Yeah, it was Mackenzie. She broke your foot. She did. What? Should I fire her? I don't know, man. That's <laughs> she. She's from our sending church. That might cause she problems. Is. She is. She's keeping our kids right now. Are they safe? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't fire until afterwards. As long as they're not playing soccer, they're fine. Oh man! Yeah, so, we were, we were so playing she broke soccer. your foot. Yeah, so we were playing soccer. We had you know we were like, hey, we'll have an outreach night. Uh, you know, or we'll just start doing pickup soccer and we'll invite people from the community. And it was a great idea. The problem yeah. is, is that I'm from Texas and we don't really play soccer in Texas. Right. And so I don't know what I'm doing and I didn't have the right equipment on. And so we were both going for a loose ball and she got there first. And when I went to kick the ball, I instead kicked her heel oh. and uh, with the top of my foot. And so yeah. the top of my foot got broken. Man, dude. Yeah. Yeah, she's got heels of steel. Heels of steel. Heels wow. of steel. Well, man, we're I'm excited about today. Um and uh yeah, we've got sure. we've got our wives here and and we just really uh wanted to to talk to Jen and Erica today and get their perspective uh, on church planting cuz uh, I think uh, it's this is so important because yeah. I, I think I just know when you're church planting the first place the enemy's going to attack is your family, right? Yeah. Uh, whenever you're on the front lines, whenever you are in the trenches uh, and you are actively pushing back lostness, you're actively making disciples and sharing the gospel, the enemy obviously doesn't like that. Right. And so one of the first places he's going to come in and, and is he's going to try to uh, mess with and disrupt uh, your family. So there's real spiritual warfare there. And I know that uh, Jen has experienced some of that. I know Erica has experienced some yeah. of that uh, with your journey. So uh, we'll just uh, start off, and I just, ladies, want to ask you, uh, what has been the most difficult part of church planting from your perspective? Um, for me, personally, I think, if I'm being honest, it's um, I, me getting in the way. Mm. Um, just whenever I get in the flesh, I think um, it looks like 
oh, this person's not doing this or that person's not doing that or I don't think God worked this out the way he should have or, you know, now my kids are getting on my nerves or now my husband's doing this and spending too much time at the church. You know, that sort of complaining and grumbling, um, which we feel like nothing's going our way and everybody else is the problem when it's really me that's the problem. So I think when I get in the way, um, of church planning, um, just with life, like it's life in general, right? When we get in the way, we make everything more difficult. And so for me, I think that's probably the most difficult thing when, when I'm in the way. Yeah. And kind of connected with that is those unmet expectations. Um, because when we do look at our life and what we want our life to be like, we have those expectations, those high expectations of this is going to be super fulfilling when I'm out there in ministry with my husband. And for a lot of the time it is. And then probably the difficult thing is when that expectation isn't met. Like there's events that you spend a lot of time preparing for, investing in, thinking about, and then there's like two people that show up, like really, like really low attendance, um, for things that you spent a lot of time thinking and caring about. Um, And another hard thing, I think, is watching people that you invest a lot of time in. It's not just investing time in events and things that you're preparing for, but people, investing time in people and watching them fall away and and feeling discouraged by that. So, Yeah, agreed. Yeah, really difficult. Yeah, it reminds me, Jen, of what you were just saying. My my dad always told me growing up, all disappointment is the result of unfulfilled expectations. Expectations is, is so huge, right? Uh, in marriage, it's it, yeah. you know like there's expectations when you're heading into marriage. There's expectations when you're heading into church planting, and uh, I think I had my set of expectations and of what it's going to be like, and, and Jen had hers. And one thing I've realized is uh, nothing is like you think it's going to be in church planting. Yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, people are flawed, right? We, we we're all we're all flawed. We all have this uh, sin nature, and sin is everywhere. Sin is in Mississippi, Tennessee, Texas, uh, Canada. It's all around the world. Sin is everywhere, and so anywhere, any times we deal, anytime we deal with people, we're going to be dealing with sin natures, and people hurt us. And so, getting over that, and and that's one of the most difficult parts of church planting. And I think Eric and I have talked about this a lot. One of one of everybody goes into it kind of wide eyed, you know, and and you're like, I can't wait, and my church is going to be different. And you and I have had this conversation, Jared, you know, it's like, our people are not going to be apathetic. They're going to all be passionate. They're going to share their faith with every person they meet. They're going to read, they're going to read through the Bible every year. And, um, and then you you start a church and you're like, wait a minute. I I thought we were getting away from this. And you see that. Can I just say one thing? I think, too, as the wife of a church planner, that you not only sort of deal with your own disappointments, but you have to deal with your husband's disappointments as well. So I think that that can become a really big difficulty as well, just figuring out how much do you listen, how much do you give advice, um, you know, um, just figuring out how to pray for him, how to protect him from people, but at the same time not allowing him to get you know, bitter against those people. And so I think that can be difficult just being that, um, helper, you know, to your husband, whenever he's also experiencing those unmet expectations and difficult times as well. Yeah, that's really good. I I, want to follow up to what you just said, Erica, and ask a follow-up question. Um, 
for those of you that don't know me uh, or my story, I've, I've struggled with depression my whole life. And mm-hmm. I went through a season, especially last year, uh, where it was kind of the perfect storm where uh, my depression was really uh, kind of uh, spiking. Uh, and we just had some things happen at the church. We had some, you know, like half of our core team left at like all at once, like yeah. a year ago. And we were just like, you know, it just seemed like things were not going the right way. Um, it's how does that impact you? Uh, Jen, I just asked you, how, how did that impact you as my wife, um, watching me carry a lot of that? Well, really, it just made me turn to prayer even more than I had been in the past. Mm. Um, and not just praying for you in private, which I was doing, but also praying for you out loud, like, like together. And so you could hear those truths and be reminded of them. And, um, yeah, just reminding you that the gospel is for you too. Like the pastors are out there and the church planters are out there and ministry people are out there sharing the gospel with people that are lost, but you need to be reminded of it too. The gospel is for you and you're loved and forgiven and cherished by God as much as the next person. So yeah. Yeah, Amen. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, uh, for me, it was about two years ago now where I just completely burned out. And I, I mean, it was bad, like really bad. And I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to share my faith. Didn't want to preach. It was just really, really bad. And I know Erica in that moment, she just covered me in prayer like never before. And like Jen shared, she, she, uh, you know, claimed those promises for me and over me and, and truth and, and even began just to Erica has a science background, so she's a medical molecular biologist by trade, and um, you know, she she has a way of just complimenting so well in the fact that she sees things very practically. And in that time, she was like, you know what, you're burned out because you don't sleep, you're burned out because you eat bad, you burned out, you're burned out because you know you don't exercise right, you know, and not in ways like you're terrible, you know, but in ways lovingly and just letting me see kind of lift the scales. And then she said, you know what we need? We need a break. We need rest. And that, that is something that, that our wives can do that we can't do sometimes that we can't see what we're doing to ourselves. And Erica, maybe you want to speak into that a little bit. I guess more than anything, like Jen was saying, it's just through prayer and just really seeking God on your husband's behalf. And I mean, he, He's obviously a God who answers prayers and he cares a lot about us. He cares a lot about you. And, um, he shows us ways that we can relieve stress. I mean, he wants us to have rest. He gave us a day of rest. He rested himself. So, um, I think that, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that anytime things get too difficult, giving yourself a break, giving yourself rest, um, and restoring yourself via prayer and the scriptures. Hmm. So whenever you are, church planning obviously um and we we talked a little bit about this with mac lake when we interviewed mac uh and a lot of times you have to wear a bunch of different hats uh, yeah. at first right you're not going to ch- plant a church with usually uh with a children's director already installed and a full-time worship leader already installed and a you know uh an av person you know already there yeah. a lot of times it's you and it's your spouse doing pretty much everything so uh, ladies, how do you balance between utilizing your gifts, like what God has uh, gifted you to do and uh, given you the passion to do, uh, 
Uh, how do you balance utilizing your gifts, but also having to jump in and help get things done in areas maybe outside of your natural gifting, like kids ministry or helping set up or, or things like that? I think it starts with um, humility and knowing that um, you do have the ability to do things that are outside your comfort zone. If you're have that willing heart, if you have that willing heart um, and also having a heart for the vision as a whole, like what are we here to do? Um, Cause like Erica was saying before, like we can't, we can't fall into that tendency of feeling like it's all about me and what I expect, right? It's gotta be about what is God's mission and God's plan. Um, so I think that, while you are doing things that maybe aren't your natural gift uh, there at the beginning, just be on the lookout for people that you can have under your wing that you're training up while you're doing those things so that as time goes on, eventually you can pass it off to someone that you've been modeling for and building up in leadership. I think it's about delegating. Um, but of course, at the first, you're not going to necessarily have people to delegate to right away. And in the meantime, just have the humility to understand that it won't always be like that. And it's going to be okay to, to start off that way. I think for me that this is a lesson that I really learned the hard way. Um, because when we first came up, it was Matt and I and our kids. And that was it. Like there was nobody else here with us. We were on the other side of the city from uh, where the main um, planning was happening with the with Nam. And um, I think... I was sort of uh, gung-ho, um, you know, like that guy that runs in, like, fighting, like, 300 people. I'm just going to take them all out, you know? It's kind of like, I was like, we can do this. And, like, I just started doing it. I was Matt's secretary. I did all the kids' stuff. Um, I worked with the missions team. Like, I... I had three kids at the time and I was doing everything. And at first I think I was good with it. And I think I felt like useful and I felt like the Lord's blessing this. And I liked, you know, being a part of everything. And then it happened where it was like resentment. Now all these other people are here and I'm every Sunday in kids church. Now we're doing this and doing that. And I don't even get to enjoy these activities because I'm the one running everything and telling everybody where to go and running around everywhere, getting more ice, doing this, doing that, you know, you name it. And I think it kind of got to the point where I was really, really resentful. And, you know, Matt just had to sit me down and say, hey, like nobody is making you do any of this stuff. You took all this on yourself. And like, I'm thankful for it. Everybody's thankful for it. Um, And you've really worked hard. But now you need to figure out why are you doing it? Are you doing it to serve the Lord now or are you doing it because you think you have to and you want accolades? And that was really difficult. I think for me, I had to start figuring out. I had to go back to the beginning and figure out what has God gifted me to do and what do I need to start praying that he'll bring people and handing over to others. And then, of course, just confessing that sin of thinking that I was superwoman and could do it all. And then, you know, the bitterness that had welled up in my heart for other people. Yeah. Man, that's that's so good. It, you know, I I know there's probably going to be some uh, ladies who are going to listen to this episode who uh, their their husbands are praying about planting a church or they're preparing to plant a church and they haven't gotten into it yet. And so some of them might right now be feeling a little bit terrified going, oh my gosh, that's what's waiting for me. Like I'm going to have to be the kids director and I'm going to have to run the errands and I'm going to have to be the secretary. And I just don't know if I can do that. Matt, how do we protect our wives uh, from getting to a place where they're burning out and they're being stretched beyond their limits? Man, that's a great question. I, I think that hindsight's always twenty twenty, 
And when you're apostolically bent, like Eric and I both are, you just, like she said, you're on the front lines. You get it done. You do what needs to get done, and you want to reach darkness. You want to reach lostness. And um, I think the mistake that I made and that I ultimately had to repent of is I didn't protect my wife enough in the mm-hmm. beginning mm-hmm. where um, I didn't draw those boundaries um, like I should have. Yep. You know, uh, I, I brought home, um, in other words, church planning was 24-7 in our lives. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about boundaries in a moment, but like, man, we, um, we'd lay in bed and I'd talk about church planning. Uh, we'd be in the car on dates. We, I said, you know what? We need a date night and we'd talk about church planning and, uh, you know, we'd go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. Spend some time together. Hey, what about the church plant? You know, it's just like everything we did was all consuming and Looking back on that, it became this big, nasty idol in my life, and um, I allowed it to start to become an idol in Erica's life. And like she just witnessed uh, or testified, you know, she had started to find her identity in all these roles and our identities in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And as men, the Bible says we're protectors of our wives. We cherish our wives. And the, the greatest way in which we do that and the greatest way in which we honor the women God's placed in our lives is to to speak identity into them constantly. And it's in Christ that, you know, you are an adopted daughter of the living King Jesus. Um, you're loved if you're the children's director or not the children's director or yeah. whatever. And so I think for me, um, for the planners out there listening, speak that into your wife daily, remind your wife daily, you know, draw those boundaries clearly in the beginning of your church plant, mm-hmm. um, wrestle together, have good, healthy conversation. The problem with every marriage can always go back to communication. And so a lot of planners that I coach, they, they just don't talk to their wives. And it gets to the point where the wives don't even feel like if they did have the conversation, that they would even listen. And so communication is really healthy to say, hey, what do you love to do? And Eric and I has learned this the hard way because as God has done what he has done here, um, and he's risen up a team now, um, through, through God's grace, we're learning again, you know, like, wow, Erica's a great Bible teacher. Erica's a great leader in women's ministry. And, you know, and Erica's a great disciple and mentor and all these kinds of things. Well, we, we want her to be released to do those things because that's the sweet spot. Right. And so I, I would say that. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, uh, we talk about how, um, we talk about how, we're doing this podcast by everyday church planters for everyday church planters, right? So we're not yeah. coming, uh, approaching this as experts or something. Uh, and I laugh because of this next question that I'm going to ask. I feel like we're, st- I'm still trying to figure out the answer to this one, right? Yeah. Uh, this is something that, that we, I know we're not doing a very good job of, and I'm talking about boundaries, right? Mm. Um, there's church planting mode. And I, I think in church planting, it's so difficult because you your office is at your house, yeah. right? Uh, you don't have work hours. There's no boss telling you when to clock in and clock yeah. out. Uh, and a lot of times you can feel the weight uh, of the work uh, on your shoulders. Um, yeah. There's nobody that's more invested uh, in the church plant than you are and mm-hmm. your spouse. Uh, you're, you're completely invested in it. And so it can easily seep into every single area of your life to where there's, there's no boundaries. It takes over everything. Uh, it, you know, it, you know, like you said, like we start talking about it yeah. when we're going on dates and it comes up and you're working sometimes, you know, you're waking up at six and you're working all the way until 9 p.m. at night, 10 yeah. p.m. at night. Uh, and, you know, like you guys have kids. And so that makes it even more challenging. We we don't have 
kids uh, right now, so we've got a little bit more freedom in that regard. Yet. But how do you? Yeah, yet. But how do you turn off church planting mode so that it doesn't consume your marriage and your life twenty four seven like that? Uh, I'm gonna let uh, Jen and Erica answer this, but I'll, I'll just say this uh, before Erica or Jen speaks. A defining moment in our journey was on one of those date nights I was talking about. And we went out on a date and the food comes or we're waiting on the food and we're talking and uh, I'm going on and on as usual about church planning. And Erica looks me square in the eyes and she says, stop it. And I said, okay, (laughs) stop what? He says, stop talking about church planning. And I was like, oh, okay, so you don't love Jesus like I do, you know? And and, and so, like, I get all defensive, and I'm like... He really did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really not joking. I didn't say those exact words, but I, I basically, you know, and um, it had become such an idol in my life, man, where I didn't even see it. And that's the beauty of a partnership. Our wives are partners. We're, we're partners. We're in this together. And a good partner will look you in the eyes and say, stop it. And, you know, I'd realized after I got over my little pity party and pride and said, who am I to question her commitment to this? I mean, like, that's craziness. Only Satan could do that, right? Mm -hmm. The enemy has planted that seed. And what she was saying was like, this is becoming all consuming. Like we have no healthy boundaries in our life because you take it everywhere. And um, so once we had that conversation, that was really good. And I'll let Erica talk more about it. But I think that um, at that point, that was when I realized that um, I was becoming bitter about yeah. church planning and about our church in general. And if we talked about it one more time, I was going to scream. Um, <laughs> so we did at that point in time, we, we actually kind of hashed a few things out. Yeah. And then we made an appointment two days later to sit down together um, when some of the kids were napping and we could do something with them. And we talked about what are we going to do to make this to where we actually have our family as well. And so we decided that Matt would start taking Mondays off because I homeschool the kids. It makes it very convenient. We could spend a family day. And we also decided that when we have date night, we do not talk about church planning. We talk about our family. We talk about our dreams for the future. We talk about our own relationships with Jesus. That's fine. But we're not going to talk about the church. We're not going to talk about church planning. Um, And I think also, too, we decided that, um, you know, if we needed to have open communication because we were having people in our home literally every single week of the night. And I just told Matt, I said, it's hard. I got to get three kids to bed. I got to get dinner made. um, And I can't do this every night. And so we had to set a couple clear boundaries about when we could have people over. Um, we had to make a few changes about that. Um, and then we also had to say, you know, I think me and the kids maybe need a break from a few things too. If our kids are starting to say, I don't want to go to that, <laughs> there's a problem because they like to go to everything. So we started talking about what do we have to be at? What do we not have to be at? Um, and I think it was good. It was open communication and being real and being honest and being raw and then praying through it and searching the scriptures through it. Um, but it was a good conversation to have and something everybody should have and really sooner rather than later. Yeah, we've learned so much from both of you, um, especially with implementing the Monday off day has been really key for us as well with keeping those boundaries. Um, and then just reminding each other 
if that's the day that you've chosen is your Sabbath and your day of no church planting work, then you both have to um, really encourage each other to honor that. Um, I think especially for Jared and I with no kids yet, that it's easier to kind of slip into, let me just do, let me just answer this message real quick. It won't take that long. Um, cause we're not necessarily planning like family events to go do with our kids, you know? So, um, we have to be even more, um, I don't know, diligent. We have to be even more diligent about that since, um, Actually, we joke because we have our intern right now for the summer and we have staff meetings with her. And before we were joking, we were like, staff meetings before were just any time because Jared and I are the only ones that were in this full time. Everyone else has other jobs. They're in school. They're students. They're doing whatever. And Jared and I are the only ones thinking about this all the time. And we're also the only ones um, that are in our family. So it becomes all-consuming, like you said. So we're definitely still learning from the both of you. How can we make those boundaries happen, especially before we do start to have kids? That's awesome. I'm proud of you guys. Well, let me, uh, Jen and Eric, I want to ask you this. If, if you could start all over again, like say we could rewind the tape and go back to you know, day one of landing in the GTA, landing in the Toronto area, uh, what would you wish that uh, that you had done differently or that we had done differently? This is hard because so many trials and um, things that you go through really teach you and grow you. Um, so it's hard for me to say, no, I wouldn't go through that whenever the Lord intentionally had a purpose and a plan for it. Um but I guess one thing just for me in general is is that I kind of wish that I wouldn't have had my pity party um, as much just about it's hard moving from the South to Canada. <laughs> um, I literally did not go to the grocery store for almost three months after we moved here because I went once and came home crying because everything was so expensive and things were so different. I didn't find my cornbread or vanilla wafers for my banana pudding and that was really hard <laughs> and so like y'all I we moved from a large house with lots of land and in the you know country in Mississippi to a little bitty townhome that was 900 square foot and we had to share our yard with other people and I got three kids two are boys I mean I, I really had a pity party over a lot of things and I think that's one of the biggest things I wish I wouldn't have done because I think I could have connected with more people. I think that my attitude could have been more prayerful, um, just more accepting of the culture, um, just more open um, to being humble and teachable and those sort of things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm really ashamed of it more than anything when I look back. And so I think that's kind of why I hope that nobody was offended by anything I said or did, or that it didn't hinder. I'm sure it hindered the spirit in some way, but in the end, I did learn a lesson from that too. So I guess if my little spoiled nature gave me a lesson for the Lord, that's good too. (laughs) I, I don't know what I wish we have done differently. Same as Erica was saying, like everything has a point and a purpose to it and you grow from it. Um, but I guess just having the knowledge that you do now later on, maybe going back, I could be even more bold in uh, talking to people or uh, reaching out or, or better understanding how to um, react to different situations. Yeah. But again, I wouldn't have had that knowledge if I didn't go through it. So 
So that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. Well, so we've talked about some of the difficulties for right, being a church planter's wife and uh, there's lots of them, but let's maybe talk about what are some of the greatest joys mm-hmm. about uh, going on this church planting journey? Um, the biggest one for sure is leading people to Christ and watching that transformation. Um, there's something that's just so cool about that and it never, ever gets old and never will. Um, and watching those disciples grow and start to feed themselves and then start to pour into other people. It's like your heart just gets so full and even thinking about, um, you know, when you're going through the difficulties, I always go back to those really cool wins and those really cool stories and remember that if I give up, then I won't get to have those anymore, you know, so keep pushing forward because that new life in Christ is the biggest blessing ever. And it's, it's the reason we're here, here to tell people they can be rescued and that they're, they're starving for a relationship with God and he's, he's offering that. So my greatest joy, um, has been just, um, becoming more dependent on the Lord, um, knowing him more, growing closer to him. Um, I think I've already said it, but when we first moved here, it was just our family and we were very cut off from other people. Plus we're in a new country, a new place. Um, and Matt was driving a lot in order to get just some camaraderie with other church planners and some mentorship, um, to the other side of the city, which takes about an hour. Um, and so he was gone a lot. So I was at home with three little kids and, um, just really, um, learning to depend on God as my rock, um, just really for everything, trusting in him. Um, I don't understand how healthcare works. So God, you need to help me because my kids are sick. Like so many things, um, in the beginning, he just taught me so many lessons about, um, being so dependent on him, um, trusting in him, growing closer to him. And, um, I think that's just been my greatest joy is to grow closer um, in my walk with the Lord. Yeah, it's been awesome to see that too, right? Like in your life, how church planning has made you more like Jesus. So that's that's great. Like, um, I know one thing where, like, like God's been talking to us a lot about Eric and I is the power of mentorship in church planning. And so I know that there's a planner out there listening, and what Erica just described is his scenario. Like he's getting brotherhood. He's getting some unity amongst um, the saints. Like he's getting fellowship with other godly men. Men are pouring into him, but his wife is not getting any of that. And that breaks my heart because just like we need it, they need it. And so uh, maybe Eric and Jen, you could just maybe speak out to that. Um, maybe, maybe twofold this question. Like number one is what has been the power of mentorship in your life um, and and how you receive it or and give it? And then secondly, Talk to that church planner out there who's listening to this, and maybe even his wife is listening to this episode, and and they're like, "This is us. This is who they're talking to." Like, I don't have this, and I need this. Like, what would you say to her? Um, unfortunately, I don't. I didn't really have um, any kind of mentor um, for church planners' wives. I, like I said, we were here alone. Um, I think that had I had someone like that, um, I would have felt um, a little more secure in some things. Um, maybe I would have had my answers question or answered a little bit quickly. 
Um, but I think that God had a reason and a purpose for it. And I think that purpose and reason was, is that he wanted to show me the value of me helping other women. Um, you know, and it's not just other church planners, wives, um, just other women in the ministry or in the faith in general. He just wanted me to see the importance of women having someone who's in their corner, someone who's there, someone who can answer their questions, someone who's willing to give them that time to pour out their heart, to pray over them. Um, you know, just being that solid person there that says like, I'm here, like whenever you need something, if you need prayer, if you have a question about anything, like we're here, we're here to do life together type thing. Um, I do think it's powerful and I do think it's important. And I would say that if you're looking for that, um, reach out to somebody, reach out to anybody. Like, I wish I would have just prayed more for it and that I would have called up some of the pastor's wives in the area and just said, like, who's willing to do this? You know, um, God will bring you somebody if you really desire it. And, um, you know, maybe you have to do a little footwork for it. Maybe you have to walk up to, you know, the street, the church next on the next street and say, like, is there someone here? Can I meet this pastor's wives? You know, and just seeing how you can get um, in with somebody just to have that um those other women to come around you, pray for you, answer your questions. It's, it's just really important. Yeah, I think with my experience, I've been super blessed uh, that Erica was here when we moved here and I had the opportunity and still do to spend time with you and ask you questions and, and get input and have that. And that's really, really helpful. Um, and also helpful is kind of having like-minded peers. Um, so for me, I'm in that weird stage of not a mom yet. So there's other women that I've been able to connect with that are Christian women that, you know, I can talk to about life, about spiritual things and can try to grow in friendships. But part of that is, is what are the boundaries of people? Um, if you're church planting and everyone that you meet is someone who's potentially a disciple or someone who you're potentially pouring into yourself, um, so it's definitely important to have somebody that's outside of that bubble that you can be completely transparent yeah. with and open about what you're really struggling with. Because if the only people in your life are people that are at your church plant, there's going to be things that you need to and want to talk about that wouldn't be appropriate to talk about with them. Um, so even if it's not someone living in your city, maybe it's someone who's living where you moved from. Um, and you guys can talk on a phone call or talk on a, a video chat or something, just something that there's got to be someone for you to be completely transparent with that is not just your spouse, because you can be transparent with your spouse, but there are people outside of your family, outside of your marriage that want to support you. Man, that's good. That, you know, uh, what you said there at the end is so important, like not just your spouse. Let me just go further and say it shouldn't be your spouse. Like <laughs> it. You should be able to talk about anything with husband and wife, but like when I when I coach planners and 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 um, when I disciple men, like there's certain things like that our wives just don't need to hear. Like we don't need to talk to our wives about like um, if there if there are certain things like within the church and stuff that you're wrestling with. It, going back to boundaries, we we want to treat our wives like they're Bible counselors and like this guy's got this issue and maybe they shouldn't even hear about that guy having that issue in the church um, because they're gonna go to the church and they're gonna view some things differently. So having that mentor or having that person that you can you could just kind of say. Hey, can you listen to me? Because I got this thing that that's happening and I really need to pour my heart out. And I don't want to put this burden on my wife because it's not hers to carry. And uh, that's really important going back to boundaries to protect your wife as well. 
Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. I think, you know, like there's a theme, it's boundaries, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of been a theme that's been running through this conversation um, to, I think you've got to protect your marriage, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, and that comes first uh, at all times. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, we don't, I, you know, we could obviously do probably a series of episodes yeah. uh, just talking uh, about what it, what it means to be a church planner's wives, a wife and some of the, just the difficulties and challenges that come with that. But I wanted to kind of close up our time by ta- speaking to two people in particular. Uh, first would be uh, church planting, uh, church planters or church planter wives who right now feel like they want to quit. Uh, and then secondly, uh, people who are praying about uh, church planting, uh, yeah. specifically the ladies who are praying about uh, whether or not God's called them to be a church planting wife. So first of all, what would you say to uh, that uh, church planter wife who right now she just wants to quit and pack up the bags and go home because she's just tired of it? Well, I think first of all, you need to cling to Christ because he's our ultimate example and he went through a lot. He could have quit, but, um, his love for us was always steadfast. So you've got to look to him and, and make sure that that relationship with God is right, because that can sometimes be, um, wanting to quit can be a symptom of something spiritually deeper that's going on. Um, but with that, you know, just prayer, pray, continue to seek God's will to know him, um, and remember your calling. Remember how God had called you there and why that was important at the time. And is it still important? Um, Because it might still be important. You might just be in a low spot. So, um, and like I was saying before, just like reflecting on those wins, reflecting on the beautiful things that God has already done in the ministry and uh, reminding yourself that you'll miss out on future beautiful things if you were to leave. So I would just say to that busy, stressed out, overworked, Um, sweet lady, you know, remember that God set you apart, um, that you're holy, that he's called you as a royal ambassador to represent him. Um, if you have kids at home, you have little people watching you, you have people in your community and in your church watching you and they're looking to you. So you need to look to God for the answers right now. Um, you need to seek him out. You need to search the scriptures. You need to ask him to give you clean hands and a pure heart. And then you need to be genuine with others and let them know what you're struggling with and what you're going through. You need to let them show you that they care about you. You need to let them pray for you. You need to let them pray with you. Um, and you need to let this maybe be a moment of transparency where you can show others in your community that you're not this Christian woman that does all this stuff that's unobtainable. That, you know, you have flaws and you have problems too. And um, maybe let them see that. Maybe it's going to be a door for the gospel. Mm -hmm. Just uh, tell God, use this, God. I'm not going to quit because I'm not a quitter. You began a good work in me. You're going to finish it. I'm going to see it through. I'm going to work strong for you. But at the same time, I felt broken. I need you to repair me. And I need you to use this for your glory. And we're going to be praying for you too. I would just say you could just call Erica up and have her give you one of those talks right there if you're thinking about quitting, right? Amen. So, okay, now we talked about, Jen mentioned calling, how important calling is. Calling is what keeps you in the field when everything's going wrong. Um, That's why calling is so important because reality is, is if you get sent 
uh, to you know the mission field, whether as a missionary, church planner, whatever, uh, there are going to be multiple times where you're going to want to quit, and things are going to be very, very difficult, and the calling is what keeps you there. It's what anchors you. But not only do we as church planters need to have a strong sense of calling, but our wives need to be called. If you feel called to church planting and your wife does not, you're not called to church planting. <laughs> like you should not go plan to church if your wife is not on board with this. So uh, how did Jen and Erica, how did you know when you were called to be a church planter's wife? Well, I think that if your husband is called, you're called. Uh, when you got married, you became one flesh. <laughs> There's no two people. You're one. You're together. So if God calls him, he calls you. I think of Abraham and Sarah. I mean, God spoke with Abraham and told him where to go and what to do. We don't see God telling the same things to Sarah, but she followed. Um, and so, but she was a part of the plan too, right? Um, so God expects us to be obedient. Um, this is the part of the submissive part, right? Where we follow where God leads our husband. You sound um, like a complimentarian. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's really I important. Like listening to Paul Washer. <laughs> <laughs> I get this straight from the word of God. Yeah, that's right. Amen. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's really important. I think um, first of all, but second of all, I think that really, yeah, um, just like Jared said, like if your wife's not on board, you don't need to move forward. Because chances are, if she's not on board, not, not that you're not necessarily always not called, but maybe there's something in her heart or in her life that's not allowing her to move forward. And that is dangerous to your marriage. That is dangerous to the people that you're going to. So please take a step back. Um, have some prayer, um, have some really um, good communication, uh, maybe even seek out some counsel, but don't move forward um, if she's not on board. Um, I knew I was called because Matt was called. I'm going to be honest with you. When he said Canada, I said, really? Isn't it cold there? Are we going to be living with the polar bears? <laughs> like, what's up with this? Um, I so Toronto was in Ohio. I did. I thought Toronto was in Ohio. I had no idea. I, I was not up on G Canadian geography at all. I've since learned because I do homeschool my children. I wanted them to know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just um, start to feel it out and get God's heart for the people. I think more than anything, when you start learning more about the people and praying for the people, uh, God can't help but not give you the heart for them, right? You learn to love people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, it was just that excitement um, for my husband's vision as he's, he was experiencing it before I did because he was going on trips and he was talking to Matt and that overflow, I would hear about it. And, and then I got to experience it myself when we visited together. And it was just so clear that both of us had a purpose and a point of being here after we got to talk to you guys and see what was going on. Um, so I think that there's definitely going to be an excitement to support your husband's vision. Um, but it's still going to be a step of faith. Like it's still going to be a little scary. Like if it feels like a little scary, that's not necessarily a reason to back out right. because that sometimes that's a, that's an okay thing. That's a place where that's you can grow thing. and trust God. Hey, Matt, I think that Jen kind of sealed the deal for Jared coming up, didn't she? Yeah, I think so. We think. met we met Jared first, and then we met Jen, and we were like, yes. That's true. Yes. That's true. We, we like Jared. We love Jen. So let's, let's bring them both up. Well, it's because... No, we it's love because, them both. We love them both. Well, we love them both. No, it's because when we came up and, and uh, you know, going back to Jen's sense of calling, you know, God confirmed it because when we, you know, I came up on my first vision tour and we kept in touch and I just met Jen 
and we were we had just started dating when I came up the first time, and I remember talking to her in the hotel room and being like, "So, what do you think about Canada? You know, you you ever thought about it? You know, like living there?" And we'd been dating for like three weeks, right? And yeah. she's like, oh, "I don't know," you know, like <laughs> so. Uh, but it didn't scare her off, and I ended up convincing her to marry me. And then yeah. right after we got married, like uh, like six weeks after we were married, we came up here on our second vision trip, and February, you know, that's man. when January. yeah. Yeah, it was February, and I and she, you didn't even really know anything about her, but Jen's yeah. got, you know, she went to film school and she does graphic yeah. design and all that. And you were talking about how, you know, you needed a communications director for the network, and you found out that Jen was a communications director, yeah. and that's what sealed the deal. So I know that yeah. it wasn't really me that you wanted Spirit. to bring up here; it was Jen that you wanted yeah. all along. But I'm okay with that. That's fine. I'll <laughs> ride my wife's coattails. We are not using her for her talent. She is an extremely sweet. And wonderful person, and I love her. I do too. She is wonderful. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I, um, guys, we're we're running out of time today, but I, I would just close by saying this: that you know, like there is no like one size fits all when it comes to uh, what a church planter's wife. Uh, is supposed to be what your role is supposed to look like. Uh, you know, some church planner wives are, are introverted, some are extroverted. Yeah. Uh, you know, Erica and Jen couldn't be more different if you if you knew them. They they're just wired much differently. Yeah. You know, uh, and so, uh, but they both, in their own way, you know, they're a part of the body, right? Mm-hmm. They're a part of the body of Christ, uh, and they both serve God faithfully uh, in what God's called them to do. I don't think, I don't think as a as no matter who you are, but specifically we're talking to church planners' wives today, God's not expecting anything more of you than he's called you to do, right? Yeah. He's, not, he's not expecting you to do what he's called somebody else to, right? Yeah. Man, I, you know, this is the part where we usually give marching orders to yep. our listeners, but so I'm going to give one marching order today, and it's, it's actually more of a challenge. Church planner, listen to what I'm about to say to you. Um, Satan hates you. He hates your wife. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to kill your family. And he wants to impede what God wants to do in your life. And you need to daily take your bride before the throne of grace. And you need to ask him to protect her, to protect her heart, to protect her motives, to protect her values. And you need to cherish her and watch over her like you never have anything else in your life. Because... She is a gift from God. And one of the biggest mistakes I made in our church plan journey is I did not do that. And um, God uh, took me out to the woodshed, as we say in Oklahoma, and I'm so thankful he did. And it made our marriage better. It grew our, our life. It grew our faith. And church planning is incredible, but you are a husband first. Um, you are a leader of your home first with kids or without, and don't ever forget that. Um, and maybe even today you need to go and talk to your wife about some of these things we've talked about. Don't, don't let them go in one year and out the other, um, this episode. That's what I would say. Yeah. Amen. I, I don't think there's anything I can add to that. Um, you know, we, there's a reason we call our podcast in the trenches because we're yeah, war, right? Absolutely. Uh, there, there is a real war, uh, going on and, uh, you know, it's our responsibility to, uh, to protect our wives, to pray, uh, and intercede, uh, for our wives. And uh, I know I'm thankful for mine, um, because, Amen. you know, we couldn't do this without them, right? That's right. Uh, there's, there's no way that, uh, that I could 
function up here yeah. <laughs> without Jen just in any way, shape, or form. So, well, guys, we hope that uh, this has been a blessing to you today. Uh, and we hope that uh, maybe uh, your wife doesn't typically listen to the podcast, but maybe you'll show her this episode and, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to her as well. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to uh, this week's episode. Make sure you head on over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com, and you can find other episodes there and you can also find show notes. And if you have any questions, you can uh, feel free to reach out to Matt or myself. Our email addresses are there on the show notes. Uh, Hey, we need your help getting the word out about In the Trenches. So if this podcast has been beneficial at all to you, uh, then do us a huge favor and head on over to either iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, whatever your favorite platform is, and subscribe there and then leave us a written review. That helps increase our exposure so that this podcast can get into uh, the hands of more church planters uh, so that it can bless them. Five stars only. Yes, five star ratings only, please. We will delete the one and twos. Are we? Can you? We'll find a way. We'll find a way. I don't think that's ethical. <laughs> there's a time to listen to your wife. And there's a time to not that's a proverb, isn't it? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, we'll be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.